0: I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to 5th and Mission. San Francisco Mayor London Breed announced restaurants must shut indoor dining as of Friday after a frightening coronavirus surge. Food writer Janelle Bitker is here to discuss what that means for the already decimated restaurant industry. Restaurants are particularly worried as cold weather is coming, and that makes outdoor dining difficult. Then we'll hear from health reporter Aaron Alday about why the Bay Area is seeing this new spike in cases. She also has a fascinating story out now about whether San Francisco is being too cautious and not considering the collateral damage of its careful approach. Janelle Bicker, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Heather. Thanks for taking your time out of your busy afternoon. I know you're covering a major story, which is an announcement from San Francisco Mayor London Breed um, affecting indoor dining. So what did she say today?
1: So she is rolling back the reopening plan and restaurants will have to close their indoor dining rooms um, starting Friday night because of a steep rise in COVID cases. Right. So this means um, all standalone
0: restaurants, food courts. I was reading that it's restaurants and museums and hotels and bars that serve food. It's pretty much anywhere you could eat inside, except your own house. Yes. (laughs) And uh, what did you hear from the Restaurant Association about this?
1: Well, they're disappointed. Um, They're predicting that restaurants will close temporarily again. We've seen a lot of that. And they also think there will be more permanent restaurant closures because of this more layoffs, just a lot of problems for an industry that's already been dealing with so much this year.
0: How do restaurant owners deal with these kind of back and forth? Um, Just the other day it was a reduction in capacity and then um, now it's no more indoor service at all. What are you hearing from restaurant owners about what it's like to kind of go with these always changing directives
1: from City Hall? They find it very, very difficult. Um, I think they're generally really frustrated that they don't get more of a heads up about these types of changes whether it's you can open or you can't open um, they often say they need at least two weeks to plan because it's not just oh we're going to close the doors it's also we need to lay people off or we need to hire people or we need to totally change the layout of our dining room or we need to change there's a lot of changes (laughs) involved yeah And what are
0: you predicting as, um, you know, in the coming months, things could get even worse? Dr. Grant Colfax said in the same press conference that it's not, you know, inconceivable that the city could have another shutdown, which could potentially affect even um, outdoor dining. So what are you anticipating in the industry that was already so crushed by this?
1: It's going to be really rough. Um, I mean, I think a lot of restaurants here are very wisely not totally depended on their indoor dining um there are some restaurants that have just stayed closed because they think they can't survive if they can't do indoor but others have really adapted building those parklets we're seeing everywhere or creating um, patios on parking lots or just really leaning into takeout and delivery and i think if they have outdoor takeout and delivery It could be fairly stable. The other wild card is just that winter is always a slow season for restaurants. I have heard from some restaurant owners that it drops 25 to 50% in the winter just because of the holidays. Yeah, people just don't go out as much when it's cold. Mm -hmm. They diet in January. (laughs) Um, So it's always a challenging time. And then when you add this, um, I've been really worried about winter for our restaurant scene. Were they already getting concerned about
0: outdoor dining? The um, weather dropped or the temperature dropped a lot this week already. And, you know, it's anticipated to rain quite a bit in the coming week. So I imagine they were already concerned about what the weather would do.
1: Yeah, I talked to quite a few restaurant owners about the season change and a lot we're spending tons of money um, on tenting, on building roofs, on their parklets, on heating lamps. I think there's a heating lamp shortage. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's really tough for everyone. But they're also, they were preparing for that. Unlike Mayor Breed's announcement today, they've known for months that winter was coming and they could make those adjustments. But One thing I thought was that was maybe going to happen was we would just see some restaurants temporarily close for winter and and not deal with it, but that remains to be seen. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm really liking the parklets. I hope that they stick around permanently. Seems
1: like they might, or at least for a few years.
0: Um, And I know that back in the spring, the um, prediction was that half of San Francisco's restaurants would close permanently. Have you heard anything about whether that has come to pass or any new predictions? Does that sound right
1: still? I haven't seen any new predictions, but that's a that's a really good point. And my colleague Solejo has been tracking all the restaurant closures in the Bay Area. And we definitely haven't lost half yet. But I think some of those projections were based on the long game. And we have some good news in terms of a vaccine mm-hmm. potentially coming soon. But um There are a lot of challenges there still. So who knows? And are you hearing anything about
0: how people who work at restaurants are coping, you know, as their jobs keep fluctuating? And I imagine staff numbers change with each of these announcements.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a really interesting part of this pandemic because, of course, it's tragic that restaurant workers are losing their jobs and and continually losing their jobs. But a lot of laid off restaurant workers have also turned around and created these amazing pop-ups and home bakeries that are providing some of the most delicious food I've had all year. Mm. And I don't know how well they're doing financially, but in terms of their um, culinary art. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my answer to all these questions is the same. We'll see what happens. I don't know.
0: (laughs) And last question, any tips for people as they're considering their holiday dinners and festivities, um, you know, as small as they may be this year amidst a rising case and, you know, rising numbers of coronavirus cases. Have you decided what your family's going to do or any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, um, I'm getting together with four family members outside. And so it's going to be a pretty low key, much smaller than usual, um, socially distanced Thanksgiving for lunch. Hopefully it doesn't rain. I know. <laughs> I have no idea what we're going to do. Um, but we actually ran a, a guide um, this week online, and it'll be in print on Sunday on restaurants that are doing really appealing-looking Thanksgiving dinners um, for takeout and delivery. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of wish I didn't have to be with family so I could order (laughs) one of those. The one from Leho Leho Yacht Club in particular really speaks – to my interests, um, there's a sticky rice stuffing in there that I would really like to order. You still can. not Your family can eat it, right? I, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or I could just order it and put it in the fridge yeah. and eat it the day after. Well, then nobody has to cook. Um, then no one has to cook. And we also have a nice pie guide and that's that Soleil put together. And also we have lots of recipes that can be easily scaled down. Oh, great. Well, I will look
0: for that. And thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Heather. We'll be right back with Aaron Alday, the Chronicle's health reporter, to give an update on the city's coronavirus cases. Aaron Alday, thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me again, Heather Knight. So we just heard the news that um, the city is shutting down indoor dining and wanted to come to our health expert for a look at why that is um, what has gone wrong in the past couple of weeks in San Francisco and um, the larger Bay Area
2: right so I think what we're seeing is or what the what the city is saying is they're very concerned because they've seen a really big um, uptick in cases. Um, just in the last couple of weeks. And what was a what was especially concerning to me today or notable to me about um, what Dr. Grant Colfax said during um, during the announcement today is that they are seeing this sort of, this this increase in cases that actually for now outpaces what we saw in the summer surge um, back in in June and July Um, so they're seeing kind of this this early phase of, of uptick in cases that is is moving at a faster pace than than what we saw in the summer and of course I think everybody knows what we saw in the summer which was just this surge that really spiked up high um and and you know, a lot of kind of transmission going on and that we then had to take pretty aggressive action to shut it down. So I think, you know, what he's seeing and what, what Mayor Breed are seeing are, are these cases really taking off um, at a fast rate um, and and wanting to take this this very aggressive action kind of as quickly as they could to keep it from um, progressing further. Um, but I will, you know, I think it's important to note that we're, we're still at very low Transmission levels. We still, um, you know, are very kind of early in in that uptick. Um, so it's not like there's anything actually happening right now that that is, you know, terrible. Our hospitals are in really good shape. Um, you know, all of that is is pretty good. This is just very much kind of the same conservative track that they've taken since since day one.
0: And San Francisco still in the yellow tier on the state chart right that is
2: correct although i believe they said today that they expect to that they'll likely be moved back to the orange tier Mm. next week it kind of doesn't matter for san francisco because at this point they're basically back i mean almost i mean it depends on on the 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 industry but you know as far as restaurants go they're back in in the red or purple tier in terms of behavior yeah
0: yeah so it wouldn't really change anything if we are orange because we're already behaving like we're in the red Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. And some other Bay Area uh, counties slipped back or are on track to slip back, right?
2: That's right. Um, so Contra Costa County today slipped back a level. Um, they had also anticipated that coming. So they moved from the orange to the red tier. And they had seen that coming last week. Keep in mind, when the state re- releases this, this information, this data, every Tuesday, their data is purposeful, purposefully backdated um, a week or two because... It just sort of takes that amount of time for the cases to kind of shake out for them to do their analysis so there's a kind of a time lag built into the system so most of the counties know ahead of the tuesday update what they're going to be dealing with so contra Costa county knew last week that they weren't kind of in great shape and they were probably going to move back into the red tier so last week they initiated some new restrictions um, lowered capacity in restaurants and some other indoor areas that kind of thing um, and now, sure enough, they're at that level. And um, <clears throat> Santa Cruz is not technically Bay, Bay Area, but they also um, were bumped back a tier, and you know are are had to had to reinstitute some similar restrictions.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is all kind of trying to stave off a shutdown over the holidays, right? Uh, Dr. Grant Colfax alluded to that being the most severe yeah. possibility.
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of been Dr. Colfax's take from the start is, you know, he kind of wants to put out there, you know, a worst case scenario, you know, that we don't want to see our hospitals overwhelmed, we don't want to see people dying when they don't have to, um, you know, at, at, at higher rates. And, you know, today he said, "I we really want to avoid having to go into another shelter in place situation during the holidays. So I think he's kind of putting that out there mostly just to let people know exactly how serious he thinks the situation is um, and how mm-hmm. seriously they should take it.
0: And you have a separate story that will be up on sfchronicle.com when this um, podcast episode comes out, looking at San Francisco's conservative approach led by Dr. Grant Colfax and others um, that has been pretty cautious this whole time. And... Um, your, your story looks at, on the one hand, that has resulted in very few deaths and cases in general, and transmission has stayed low, and people have stayed healthier than they have in other parts of the country. But there are concerns that um, the city's not taking in all the negative side effects, such as kids not learning in schools, and there's far more drug overdoses than there were last year, and other negative side effects of being cooped up at home. So I wondered if you could kind of lay out your thoughts on San Francisco's approach, whether it's the right one overall, and, and the concerns maybe they're not addressing.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really important conversation to be having. Um, And those are the folks that that I'm hearing from now. It's not quite like people are pushing back against San Francisco, although there is some of that. I think it's more like as this goes on, and especially as we think about the fact that we're going to be, even with the vaccine on the horizon, it's going to be, as you and I have talked about, like six or nine months or longer that we're in this situation. And you know at some point we really need to think about what the sort of what the what the collateral damage is of of all of these restrictions these economic restrictions um mm-hmm. like you said not having kids in school is a big deal i mean everybody knows that but yeah you know the the idea is you know maybe san francisco has sort of done such a great job And yes, we have you know like the lowest fatality rate of any big city. That's fantastic. Nobody's going to argue that that isn't amazing, Um, and you know has very low case rates compared to a lot of places. But you know, on the one hand, it's the sense of. You know, have we sort of been too conservative and maybe we need to like kind of loosen up a little bit and accept that maybe we'll have a few more cases that maybe there's I guess maybe asking, you know is there some wiggle room in there is there mm-hmm. some room to sort of open up a little bit more be a little bit more flexible um, and still kind of keep things under control mostly keep that death rate down but also allow more activities but the other side of that is that San Francisco by doing so well is you know, maybe we're in a position, we kind of have this luxury of being able to experiment, of being able to say, okay, we're ahead of the game, let's be ahead of the game or it's probably too late to be ahead of the game, but but let's kind of lead the thinking on school reopenings. Let's lead mm-hmm. the thinking on, you know, how we deal with some of this collateral damage, how we deal with these secondary health effects. Let's be ahead of, you know, let's, let's kind of lead that charge. Um, in San the Francisco Nation.
0: public schools are not leading that conversation. No, I can tell you that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but that's exactly the point
2: is, you know critique is that we've been extremely good in this very one specific area that we've done mm-hmm. a, an amazing job with COVID-19 but you know you can't help but lose things along the way when you're that narrowly focused right and just people saying I think we need to have those conversations they're not necessarily saying there are easy answers or they know what the answer is or that you just open schools wide open but like we at least need to be talking more seriously
0: about about all of that mm-hmm. do you see any signs from Dr. Colfax that he would become more whatever the opposite of cautious (laughs) is not risky (laughs) but um more it's kind of it's it's really hard to say because I mean
2: he's you know he's been obviously incredibly conservative and and has has had this response from the start. And obviously today is is more, you know, what the the further restrictions on Tuesday is further sign of this. Um, And he's understandably extremely, extremely worried about how far spread this virus can become if you give it just a little bit of leash. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's not the only health officer who feels that way. You know, Sarah Cody down in Santa Clara County has been exactly the same. Uh, most of our Bay Area health officers have felt exactly the same way and have been extremely cautious. So I think, you know, he's he's understandably concerned that if you loosen up, then this is this can so easily kind of just spring totally out of control. And the last thing you want is your hospitals to get overwhelmed, all that. I think that's going to remain forefront um, in his mind. That being said, you know, he's been at this for a very long time. Dr. Colfax is very used to hearing from his public, to responding to it. I think that he's you know i think he's known as being an open-minded guy who certainly is you know ready to come to the table and have those conversations and my my sense from him in conversations i've had is that he he wants to keep this approach for the pandemic and understands that you know there may be room to be also looking at these other things that it's mm-hmm. not an either or
0: but something he can do all at once do you think it makes um the potential of a recovery that much harder if say in six or nine months most of san francisco is vaccinated and and things are looking good and we can begin to return to some semblance of normal but then the kids have lost so much education and perhaps mental health has gotten so bad and because and so many businesses have closed and so many people have lost their jobs compared to other places is it going to be that much harder to build all that stuff back up right well I think that 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 is the
2: question that is definitely the big question and that's I think something that I and and you know we <laughs> journalists are going to be following you know really closely um over the next few months um I think it's I think personally it's it's time to start asking those questions about looking at some of these these other effects and really kind of it's hard to quantify a lot of them like it's really hard to quantify schools like what kids have lost you know what I mean mm-hmm. like Yeah, it's, but at some point we can look at things like graduation rates and test scores and, you know, any, any number of things, kids' mental health. But a lot of that isn't, isn't easy to look at now. Like that's the, that's part of the problem too, is is with this pandemic, we can look at case counts. Well, we can, Mm -hmm. we can look at case counts. We can look at death counts. We can look at, we have all this data dumped on us so we, we can track it. We know exactly when we're doing well and when we're not, and when we need to shift course, We can't do that with schools with Mm -hmm. kids we don't have that a way of tracking that and that's the same with a lot of these kind of secondary effects you know mental health effects um you know just poverty um you know all of these sort of side effects can be actually very hard to quantify Mm -hmm. and i think that that's some of the important work that needs to be happening as much as we can but i think unfortunately a lot of this we might not really know the full kind of ledger um both sides of it until this is behind us and mm-hmm. then have to people like yours have to apply that then
0: to the next pandemic i think you're gonna write a really fascinating book when this is all over
2: <laughs> Do i'm not not calling it now
0: <laughs> no thank you <laughs> i'm gonna put pressure on you well anyway thanks for joining me today it was great to catch up <laughs> thanks heather take care thank you to janelle bitker and erin Alde for joining me today to erica carlos for producing this episode and to you for listening